Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Clutter. I'm your host, Margot Statton. And in this week's episode, I'm going to be teaching you everything you need to know about the very extreme method of decluttering called Swedish death cleaning. The gentle art of Swedish death cleaning was actually created by Margaret Magnussen. She wrote a whole book about it. You can actually find it on Amazon and I can leave a link to it in the description. So what is Swedish death cleaning? It sounds incredibly extreme and morbid. The premise behind Swedish death cleaning is that you declutter in a much more atomic fashion as you prepare for death. The point of this extreme decluttering method is to unburden yourself from all your clutter so that your loved ones don't have to go through it. I've personally used this method and I will tell you this, we hoard a lot of stuff. Whether it has sentimental value or we think we might need it during the zombie apocalypse, our lives are filled with an overwhelming amount of stuff. And for some of us, our clutter is behind closed doors, but nonetheless, it's still there. I think I've tried every possible decluttering method out there. I've also created my own. It's a four simple step strategy called Decom. And I will tell you that I happen to absolutely love Swedish death cleaning. I think that especially if you're someone who has a lot of clutter and especially if you're someone who's been decluttering for a while and you, you're you not seeing much impact, you're not seeing the results that you want to see. I think following such an extreme method, right? I mean, Swedish death cleaning, right? <laughs> but I think following this type of extreme decluttering methodology will really allow you to see an impact in your home. I think Swedish death cleaning is also fantastic for those of you who want to transition to a more minimalistic lifestyle. So how do you practice Swedish death cleaning? First and foremost, as you're going through your stuff, you wanna ask yourself the following questions and it's really simple. Will I use it? And will it make somebody else happy? If the answer is no, then you let the item go and you can donate the item, you can sell it, or you can trash it. Now, will you use it is incredibly subjective because I feel like a lot of times we come up with many excuses for holding on to the item because we tell ourselves we absolutely will use it in the future and then, well, we never do. We've all had those kind of items. For me, it was the fishing rods as well as a pizza cutter that I was holding on to for a very long time. Don't ask. I mean, I've never made pizza or cut pizza in my home, but nonetheless, I had it in my drawers for several years. <laughs> I tend to follow the simple rule of if I haven't used the item, if I haven't looked at it, if I found it, right, and haven't missed it in the last year, then I can safely let the item go. The next thing is to decide where you want to start practicing Swedish death cleaning. And Margaret recommends that we start in the easiest place. Typically, the easiest place to declutter, and when I say easiest, you know, we tend to not encounter as many sentimental items in there. Typically, it's best to start with a place like your closet. So going through your wardrobe and your clothing. You may really start by location or by category. So location would be the closet, category would be things like all of your books if they're spread around the house. For me personally, 
I prefer decluttering by location, whether you're using the Swedish death cleaning method or just any kind of method you've adapted. For me personally, I'm somebody that gets motivated through seeing results. And when you declutter a particular space in your home, you tend to see better results or rather much more impactful results than you do when you declutter by category. So if you can relate to this, if you're somebody that like needs to see impact, needs to see progress, right, to keep going, then I highly encourage you to select a location. You can choose your closet. You can choose a basement, an attic. Just try to, if you're new to decluttering, especially, and you're going to be practicing the Swedish death cleaning, try to start with an area that's simple and easy for you to make the decision of what to keep and what to toss. I actually have a full list of what to declutter in each and every room in your home. I'll leave a link to it in the podcast description. Keep in mind that you want to build yourself up to the sentimental stuff, right? You want to build that momentum. So you might start in your closet. Maybe then you move on to your kitchen and then your bathroom and then your bedroom. But just try to leave sentimental items for last. And another thing when it comes to decluttering, although Swedish death cleaning is incredibly atomic, right? It's incredibly intense. I recommend that you still go at your own pace. So, you know, creating a schedule is fantastic. You know, if you're somebody who wants to achieve a clean and clutter-free and tidy space within the next three months, six months, right? It's always good to kind of have an end goal in mind. And then you can kind of strategically plan out, you know, how many hours per week are you dedicating to decluttering? It could be 30 minutes, an hour, you know, maybe all you have is 15 minutes, right? So you have to kind of have a realistic expectation for how long this process will take. But with Swedish death cleaning, unlike a lot of the other methodologies, because you're decluttering with the mindset of, you know, getting rid of everything before you pass away, so your family doesn't have to go through it, you tend to have a more extreme approach to decluttering. I find that Swedish death cleaning is not not so much of an approach, but more so a mindset when it comes to decluttering. And I'll kind of like pick and choose, like there are periodic times where I want to go atomic, right? Because look, the reality is once you've achieved a quote unquote clutter-free, clean and tidy home, you know, decluttering doesn't stop where we have families, we have kids, we have pets, a certain amount of clutter will naturally accrue. So decluttering, just like cleaning your floors or doing the laundry is just something that we do on a weekly basis. So there are times where I will just go atomic. <laughs> there are times where maybe I was holding on to items that, you know, I did use the last year or so, but I'm kind of like, eh, do I really need them? Can I live without them? Because I truly am transitioning more to a minimalistic lifestyle. So honestly, there's always more stuff to get rid of. So when I want to kind of get motivated to go extreme, right? When I want to get motivated and be bold to just start tossing stuff, I'll put on my Swedish death cleaning cap. So with Swedish death cleaning, you're going to go through every single item based on location, for example, and you're going to decide what to keep and what to toss. Specifically, will you use it and will anybody else benefit from it? The next thing is, well, when should you start, right? When should you start practicing Swedish death cleaning? And the answer is now. (laughs) While yes, the premise behind Swedish death cleaning is that we eliminate stuff as we're approaching old age, you don't necessarily have to be approaching old age to try this method on for size. 
Clutter contributes to so much of our stress, anxiety. It overruns our homes and keeps us cleaning for hours. I am someone that suffers from extreme anxiety, and I can tell you that my anxiety substantially improved when I got rid of a ton of clutter in my home. Like I couldn't imagine, I didn't realize that the stuff in my space, right, just the visual clutter, the surface clutter, how much it was just torturing me and, and overwhelming my mind and just creating or rather contributing to my my uh, mind fog. The more I got rid of, the better I felt. And I think, you know, especially if you're somebody who suffers from anxiety, then you can definitely relate to this. But even any of us who've ever experienced stress, we all need somewhere where we can feel at peace. Now, I know for a lot of us, like me, we have kids. So peace is like one of those things that we're constantly chasing, but can't find. And like the two seconds that we hope to get peace while we're taking a shower or are in the bathroom, our kids will barge in or our partners will barge in or both. And you know what? Why not the dog as well? But even with that said, once I decluttered and got rid of a lot of stuff, I was still able to find peace in my home. So after my daughter will go to sleep, I always wake up before she does because I have a beautiful morning ritual where I'll drink a glass of water and I practice gratitude and I listen to jazz, you know, as I then make her breakfast and get ready to wake her up for school. But having a clean and tidy home to wake up to, having a home that is clutter-free to wake up to, I look forward to it. You know, I truly feel at peace in my space. And of course, peace and chaos, because well, when you're a mom, that's just a reality. Um, but it's a wonderful thing. And I will say this, like it had somebody told me this like seven years ago, when I embarked on my decluttering journey, I would have been like, ha ha ha, like really seriously, all of these things were actually making my anxiety wor- worse. Like I legit would have laughed in the person's face. Coming from somebody who has experienced it, um, it really does work. Like my anxiety has substantially decreased ever since I achieved a clean and tidy space. So the whole entire point is don't wait until you're approaching old age. Start decluttering, you know, try on Swedish death cleaning now. Invite a friend over, order some pizza, a few bottles of wine, and, you know, get ready to tackle your house. I do find that decluttering is more fun when we do it with somebody else. If you prefer to do it alone, then put on some amazing music or, you know, turn on Netflix or Hulu or Disney or whatnot. And as you declutter, catch up on a show or a movie. Another thing to just quickly be mindful, this is more of a decluttering tip, is that try to have a strategy in place for getting rid of your clutter. So a lot of times what I see happen is we like begin Swedish dress cleaning and we're just so hyped, right? Because oftentimes when something is new, we get like incredibly excited about it. It's like I remember my daughter got a bicycle for her birthday and I kid you not, she rode that thing for like two weeks and now it's just been sitting there unused for the last year. But anyways, have a strategy in place because while we might get excited in the beginning, what we sometimes end up doing is, you know, we'll put aside things for donation and we'll put aside things for trash and to sell and then we'll essentially, instead of removing it from our home, we'll kind of keep it in bags or boxes in the middle of our living room or better yet in the trunk of our car. (laughs) So I'm just giving you a heads up, you know, Swedish death cleaning 
is extreme. So the, the whole point is to get rid of as much as possible. So you're really left with kind of like bare minimal, like the stuff that you need to survive. So chances are you're going to have a lot of stuff that you're getting rid of. So have an exit strategy. Make sure you find a donation organization. If you're going to be selling these items, obviously selling is going to take longer than if you trash or donate. Um, so maybe have a designated space that's kind of out of the way where you can store the items before they are sold. By the way, another great way to get rid of items is to hold a garage sale. And finally, when it comes to using the Swedish death cleaning method, you want to most importantly, and this applies to any decluttering methodology you're using, you, the most important thing with, you know, post decluttering is to make it last. So the goal is to continue to keep the clutter out, not bring more in, right? It's very common and a realistic problem we all face. We clean and then within a few days, things are back to looking the way they were. Oftentimes the culprit is our buying habits. So those will need to change or you will forever be in an endless cycle of clutter. You might also go broke. <laughs> so it's like a win-win if you work on it. Speaking of which, this is a total side note. When you achieve a home that is less cluttersome, naturally your buying habits will begin to change because you are going to want to honor the home that you currently have. And you're going to be a little bit more resistant and reluctant to bring unnecessary items back into your space. What I developed was pride in my home and I became a much more intentional shopper. So that's just something that naturally happens. So if you're thinking to yourself, oh, but I love to shop and I'm afraid when I declutter, I'm just going to end up bringing things back into my home. Don't worry about it. You might have to practice a little bit of self-discipline in the beginning, but I promise you when you fall in love with your space, when you become proud of the clean and tidy space that you have, naturally the habit of just like bringing home random knickknacks will start to kind of decrease and eventually completely go away. So you'll be fine. So let me know. Let me know if you've ever tried the Swedish death cleaning method. Let me know if you're going to give it a try. Let me know if it just sounds completely insane and you really don't want to tackle a method that makes you think about your own mortality. Let me know. Leave a comment. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck on your decluttering journey and always remember to be good to yourselves.